Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise if you know there's nobody like the Lord. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time. Father, we thank you and bless you for this day. We pray now as we come to you in your word that your word, the good seed of your word, would find good ground in our hearts and spirits. That good seed on good ground would produce great fruit in our lives. Forgive us of our sins, God. Let nothing that we have thought, done, or said hinder us from proclaiming and receiving what you have for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here's our question for the day. Pull out your smartphones. Text to Good Hope 22333. The question on the day is, what is the key to you becoming a powerful person of prayer? What do you believe is the key to you becoming a powerful person of prayer? I'm not going to give you multiple choice because then I'm giving you the answer. You tell me, what do you believe is the key to you becoming a powerful person of prayer? Text 22-GOOD-HOPE to the 22-333 and you can get in. Consistency, patience, God, sincerity, obedience, that's interesting, repetition, intentionality, see maturity coming up, faith. Discipline, studying, dedication. Now, here's what's interesting. The truth of the matter is, when we talk about the key to becoming a powerful person of prayer, in some respects, all of these answers are correct. Uh, It really takes more than just one thing. You must be consistent, but you also must make sure you're praying to the right person that you have the right attitude, there's a sense that you must be walking in obedience in order to catalyze your prayer. So there are several factors that play into becoming a powerful person of prayer. In our text today, we have a woman who teaches us something about praying in a powerful way, especially when you're going through difficult times. This woman lived in a time when society was like a cesspool. Debauchery was the norm and not the exception. Abuse, rape, pillage, stealing, the rich taking advantage of the poor. While it sounds like it's this day and time, it was taking place during the time of our text today. And this woman teaches us how to become a powerful person of prayer and to pray your way through something in order to become what God wants you to be. Today, for a few moments, I want to talk to you from the thought, the power of a praying woman. The power of a praying woman. 
And while the woman in our text today is known for the miraculous birth of her child, and we'll talk about that later on, the fact of the matter is, before she could become a praising mother, she had to learn how to be a praying woman. And for somebody in here today, your prayer life, what God wants to do in you and to you and through you and for you, is really tied to you in your prayers being open to God making some changes in you to become all that God wants you to be. Because typically, while we pray, usually to change a situation, a circumstance, a person, or a predicament, God wants you to learn how to pray to change your person. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. There are five things today that are part of this message. I'm only going to talk about the first three and we'll save the next ones for next week. Here's the first thing as we talk about the power of a praying woman. Number one, you must continue to pray and seek God despite how long you find yourself going through something. You must continue to pray. And seek God, despite how long you find yourself going through something. 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. There was a man by the name of Ilkanah. Ilkanah was a non-practicing priest, member of the tribe of Levi. It was in this day and time when... Uh, cesspool society, debauchery was at a height. People were doing what was right in their own sight. And Ilkanah was a man, based on his practice, that would have stood out in the crowd. Because while the Feast of Obligation came around every year, these three feasts that every Jewish male was required to attend and offer sacrifices to God. While that was the law, the truth of the matter is the overwhelming majority of people had moved away from God. For whatever reason, their sins had become their priority. But Ilkanah was faithful in every year taking his family to worship at Shiloh. The Bible says in verse 2, he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now, in the Old Testament and during this time, the greatest responsibility that a woman could have was to give birth to children, and in particular to sons that carry on lineage. And if a man married a woman and she was unable to have children, he would be allowed to take another wife who could give him children. That was the Old Testament, brothers. Just learn how to manage one in this new dispensation. Amen. The Bible says he would go to Shiloh with his family and every year, verse 3 says, year by year, from his city, they would go to worship and the sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh. Eli was the high priest. Hopni and Phinehas were his assistants. They were his sons. And when they went to worship, Ilkanah, verse 4 says, sacrificed 
And he would give portions to Penina and to his wife and to all her sons and daughters to make sure his children were covered in their worship as well. And he would give a double portion to Hannah because he loved Hannah so much. And he felt her pain. Let me just throw this in as a side note. Brothers, you should always be the leader of your home when it comes to worshiping God. You should always function as the priest, prophet, protector, and provider of your home. Now, please don't go back to this Neanderthal thinking where you feel like you got to make more money than your wife to be the man of the house. Manhood is not defined by the size of your paycheck or the size of a bodily organ. There was an alliteration there. I didn't go there. I just want you to know that. That's just... Manhood is defined by you taking responsibility and covering not just yourself, but those to whom God has given you responsibility and authority over. And I am all for equal rights. I'm with you, sisters. But I have not met a real sister who doesn't want a real man to function the way God has defined a man to function. All the real women, say amen for me, please. Elkanah comes and he brings his family to worship the Lord. And the Bible says they come year after year. Year after year, they come and worship. Year after year, they come and sacrifice. Year after year, Hannah is praying with a barren womb. She is barren, not just of children, but let's look at this in a figurative way. She is barren of the blessings that she desires. She doesn't have what she believes that God has intended for her. Her wants and God's will are currently not in alignment. And she is praying year after year. This family was devout. They were religious. They did everything they were supposed to do, but her prayers went unanswered. Listen to me carefully. No matter how long you suffer, no matter how long you stay in this position, no matter how impatient or how frustrated you may get because God doesn't seem to be moving fast enough, you need to continue to seek and pray and trust God. Because what you miss is in the midst of your continued praying and trusting God, God is doing something to develop you. See, we are quick to pray and put God on somebody else. God, get him straight. God, get her straight. God changed his life, changed her life. And God says, will you let me do something with you first? Because you might find out that you are the catalyst for the problems you're dealing with. God wants you to know when you find yourself going through some difficulties, some trials, and they are prolonged, keep on praying. And keep on trusting. Look at Psalm 73, beginning at verse 24. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. 
For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you, but for me it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Here's the second thing. Number two, you must pray and trust God despite what others say or do around or to you. You must pray and trust God despite what others say or do around or to you. Verse 6 says, And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. Who is her rival? Penina. Penina. Bringing some baby mama drama into the situation. Now, now you know, you know how messy women can be. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the woman next to you. I ain't talking about you. I'm not talking about you. But you, you, know, how, you know how messy some women can be. Can, can you imagine? Hannah's the first wife. Elkanah loves her. Gives her a double portion for her sacrifice. But Penina has all the children. I don't need a double portion because <laughs> I got the children. Matter of fact, he give you two or three more portions. Don't matter to me. Uh, when you going to have a baby? You want to babysit my children sometime so you can get a feel for motherhood? I'm just saying, you know, you may not get it any other way. Messy. And look at what the text says. The text says she would irritate her grievously. This was intentional, intentional messiness to get under her skin. Now, here's the question. How do you respond when somebody is intentionally irritating you in an area where you have been praying in a prolonged fashion? How do you respond? Right? Some, you stop praying. You be ready to lay on hands, but you're going to stop praying. You'd be like, Elkanah, you better talk to her. You better, you better get out of my face. See, I'm, try, I'm trying to love Yahweh, but you better, you better get her. Somebody better talk to her. Right? And you will get so frustrated in reacting to the irritant that you stop focusing on your prayer life. Do you see how the devil can use somebody to just distract you just a little bit? Get you off track. Get you off focus. This woman was intentionally irritating her, and the Bible says Hannah wept and would not eat, and then she prayed. She prayed. Ilkana said, am I not better than ten sons? Am I not good enough to you? And Hannah's like, it's not about you and me. This is really about me and God. It's not even about how the devil is using Penina. Somebody in here, you have some Peninas in your life. Just, just haters. They can't celebrate their blessing for trying to throw shade on you, trying to hate on you, trying to make you feel bad. But the Bible says, Hannah prayed. Look, look at verse 10. She was deeply distressed 
and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. Listen, if you're going to cry to anybody, cry to God. If you're going to weep, weep in your prayers. There's no need in talking to the person. There's no need in getting mad at them because in their action, all they're trying to do is drive you away from behaving the way God wants you to behave and from doing what God wants you to do. Now, let me give you a couple of lessons. For the Paninas, going to church just doesn't make you spiritually mature. Because Penina was up in the house with Ilkhanah every year, just like Hannah was. But Penina's up in the house being messy. She's not seeing ministry. She's being messy. And just because you come to church doesn't make you spiritually mature. Growing old does not necessarily mean you will grow closer to God. For the Hannah's. Remember, religious practice will not give you an exemption from difficulties in life. Just because you love God and you pray and you're seeking God's face doesn't mean you're not going to have some haters. As a matter of fact, they probably will show up. The more you love them and the more you're committed to them, they will show up. Watch what Hannah prays. Look at verse 11 again. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, O Lord of hosts, If you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. O Lord of hosts, O Lord of hosts, that that phrase is one word in the original language, and it's the word Yahweh. It's the Y-H-W-H. It's what scholars call the tetragrammaton. It is the unspoken name of God. It is, the, it is the, the I am of who God is. It, it, it declares God to be the self-existing one, the one who was in the beginning before the beginning began. She calls on the awesome God of Israel, the Lord of hosts. Now, you've got to understand the power in this reference. When Moses was on the backside of a Midian desert taking care of his father-in-law's Jephro's sheep, The Bible said he saw a bush burning on the mountain that was not consumed by the flames. He goes up and he sees the flames and a voice comes from the bush saying, Moses, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. I got a couple of Bible readers in here. And and so Moses took off his shoes and he begins the dialogue with God. And God tells him, I want you to go down and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Moses gets into a dialogue with God telling God about all the reasons why he's not qualified. He says, I'm going to give you the assistance that you need. Take Aaron, your brother, with you, but I want you to go down and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. He said, now, God, listen, when I get down there, you know how your people are. And when I get down there, they're going to say, well, if you talk to God, what's his name? Ain't nobody ever talked to God before. So if you talk to God, Mr. Big Shot, what's God's name? And God said, tell him I am that I am. Tell him I am the self-existing one. Now, of all the names that God could have pulled out, of all the things he could have used to describe himself, why would he say I am? 
The reason he said I am is because they had been in slavery over 400 years. And there was a generation that grew up that didn't know God in a personal way. So God says, let me reintroduce myself to my people. Once you reintroduce me to my people and they know my name, they will know who I am. And once they know who I am, they'll know what I can do. Just focus on who I am. As long as you focus on who I am, then you'll remind yourself of what I can do. We're going to have a basketball team at Good Hope. Good Hope basketball team, 30 and over league. Guy walks in, about 6'2", maybe 6'3", something like that, not real tall, looks a little chunky, you know, he ain't real thin frame or whatnot. Somebody say, hey, man, you play ball? He said, yeah, I play. Man, you want to come help us out, man, be part of the Good Hope 30 and over team, man? He said, yeah. So, well, can you play? Yeah, I play a little bit. You got any handle? Can you shoot? Can you, I mean, can you jump? He said, well, I, I can do a little bit of, yeah, I, I got you. He said, well, look, come on over to the Center for Hope. Man, we'll see what you got. Same brother walks in. Somebody said, is that Chris Paul? <laughs> Starting guard for the soon-to-be world champion, Houston Rockets. I'm speaking by faith, y'all. I'm speaking by faith. Nobody asked him, can he shoot? Can he dribble? And nobody wonders if he can help our church team because we know his person. And once we've identified his person, we know what he can do. God says, tell him I am that I am that sent you. So watch Hannah. Fast forward to Shiloh. She's praying and she's saying, Lord of hosts, Yahweh, the same one that delivered us out of the hands of the Egyptians, the same one that brought us out when we didn't think we would ever come out, the same one who led us through the wilderness by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, the same one that walked us across the Red Sea on dry ground, the same one that took us across the Jordan on dry ground, the same God who took care of my parents and my grandparents. He says, Lord, I need you, Lord of hosts. See, see, sometimes you lack faith in God because you have forgotten who God is. When you remember who God is, then you ought to have faith in what you need God to do. confidence of her prayer was rooted in the person of God. She prayed and she trusted God. What's the answer when folk all around you are hating, talking about you, criticizing you, and you're still waiting on God to answer your prayer? You've got to pray and you've got to trust God. Look at Romans 8, beginning at verse 26. Let's read it together. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, 
For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Uh, old folks used to say, when you, when you moan, the devil don't know what you're talking about. But this text says, when you moan, while the devil may not know, the Holy Ghost is a moan interpreter. And the Holy Spirit will go to God on your behalf as an interpreter of your moans. Which means even if you don't have the words to say, sometimes if all you can do is moan and groan and cry, God will interpret your moans and groans and align your moans and groans with his will for your life. Here's the third and final thing. Number three, you need to see the importance of worshiping the Lord in the process of seeing your prayers answered. You must see the importance of worshiping the Lord in the process of seeing your prayers answered. 1 Samuel 1.19, they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. The Lord remembered her. They got up early in the morning and worshiped. The word for worship there means to humbly beseech, to show reverence to. Now, what's interesting is this word not only reveals a posture, but it also reveals an attitude. Many of us learn that the most powerful place to pray is on your knees. So that some of you don't think you're praying unless you're on your knees. But this word for worship is not about being on your knees. It's really about being on your face. Uh, so I, I, got a, I got a dog. Um, and... You know, I haven't had a dog for years. I, I never let my children have dogs. I, I really had this thing about dogs because growing up, we had like 15 dogs, and, and I had to feed and water all the dogs. And so I didn't want to see another dog the rest of my life. But I was mentioning my daughter. I said, you know what? I think I want a dog. And so she was given a stray dog. So she bought the dog over, and uh, Pitbull great temperament, and so I've been training the dog. Actually, the dog has been training me, but we're going to work it out. And one of the things that I've learned about my dog, he responds differently depending on the tone of my voice. Now, he's still young. He's about a year, year and a half old, so he still likes to play a lot. Right? So, you know, he's one of those dogs, like, if the chain's not on him, I go to put the chain on him, he's going to run. <laughs> and I walk over, he's going to run over here. <laughs> but when I get loud and direct with him, he'll stop. And I say, sit, he'll just sit. But if I get real loud with him, especially if I'm trying to get his attention because he's doing something wrong, He'll come back over and he'll lay down in front of me. And he'll just lay and then have his head down and just look up with his eyes like this. You know you can't stay mad at him when he does that, right? When we come before God, God says you got to learn how to humble yourself. To literally lay prostrate and just look up at the Father and say, God, 
I'm just here. I, I need you. I can't make it without you. I want my posture to match my attitude. See, here's the problem. Some of us are on our knees, but we're still on our knees in pride. See, when you act like God owes you something, or God is obligated to do it, or you have the unmitigated gall to get angry at God because he didn't move when you wanted him to move, God says, you are not even in the position to expect your prayer answered. When you walk around talking with you about what you deserve, and typically when we talk about what we deserve, it's out of our comparison to somebody else, not to Jesus. See, when I compare myself to somebody else, I'm like, Lord, you, you know I'm better than them. You know I've been doing better than them. You know she ain't trying to do right. And you know he don't really love you like for real, not like I love you. And you already know what he's doing because I know what he's doing. But, Lord, you ain't going to answer my prayer. Why are you going to answer their prayers, Lord? And you're not answering my prayers. And God says, because I'm trying to work on you. You want me to give something to you, and I'm trying to get you ready for what I'm trying to give to you. The Bible says she worshiped the Lord. Don't miss that. She prayed and she worshiped. She understood the power when you link prayer and praise together. Praise fuels the faith that you need to have an impactful and effective prayer. And then watch how the Lord responds. Look at the end of verse 19. And the Lord remembered her. Elkanah knew Hannah. Knew her in an intimate way. And the Bible says the Lord remembered her. Now, he heard a prayer. She worshiped, he remembered. Now remember, go back to verse 11. Look back at verse 11. O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant. That word remembered literally means to think on, to focus on with the goal of bringing to pass the prayer that was prayed in alignment with God's plan for your life. She said, Lord, remember. You know, we used to, we used to pray that prayer. We used to sing that as a, as a song around remembering me. We, we used to sing a song, a little upbeat, mid-tempo song. that do Lord, do Lord, Lord, remember me. Whoa. Do Lord, do Lord, Lord, remember me. Right? And you go to that second verse. When I'm sick and I can't get well, Lord, remember. How many of y'all remember that? But them old deacons used to, used to sing a song. Sometimes it, it, was, it was an altar call song that they were singing. And they would say, remember me. important 
for the Lord to remember you. Now, now watch this, watch this. She had been praying for years, petitioning God, worshiping God, but her life didn't change until God remembered, until God acted on what she had already prayed. Can I tell somebody something today? Don't miss this. Sometimes you stop praying too soon and you give up too early because you don't realize the prayer answer is on the way. How would you feel if you got to glory and you've been praying for years and years and years? You got mad at God. You decided to stop praying. And when you got to glory, God said, you know what? I was going to answer your prayer. You was one day short. You look at him and say, what do you mean one day short? One day, if you had prayed one more day, one more day, the door was about to open one more day. You say, well, why was you going to wait one more day? Because you were one day away from being ready for the door to open. See, sometimes you knock before you're ready for the door to open. God says you was one day away from being ready. You stopped one day. The answer was on the way. The blessing was on the way. God had remembered, but you forgot how faithful he really is. Look at Judges 16, 28, and I'm going to let you go. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, oh, Lord God, Please remember me and please strengthen me only this once. Oh, God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. Psalm 25, verse 7. Let's read it together. Don't remember the sinful things I did when I was young because you are good, Lord. Remember me with your faithful love. And here's the power of God remembering you. Even when you stop praying, the prayer that you prayed years ago, if you keep praising and you keep worshiping, God can remember a past prayer and give you a present blessing. There's somebody in here who can testify if I gave you the microphone that there's some stuff God is bringing to pass today that you've been praying about for years. And God remembered your prayer. Matter of fact, let's be honest, some of us are here right now doing what we're doing because God has remembered somebody else's prayers. Remembered grandmama's prayers, remembered mama's prayers, remembered somebody praying for you. And we thank God that he's a God who remembers and a God who can respond and answer in a positive way. Father, we bless you and thank you for today. Thank you for your word. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that everything that we have said, everything that we have done has been pleasing in your sight. We give you glory and honor right now, Lord, because you've been so good to us. God, we ask you to forgive us of our sins. And we pray, God, that we can become the prayerful people that you've called us to be. Help us to learn to continue to pray no matter how long we've been praying. Help us to pray no matter what people around us say or do. And help us to always remember to worship you as part of our prayer commitment. We bless you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.